Listener Production. So this is a trailer for a film that you'll never get to see. Where is the Gotham Bat? The mass vigilante has been a no-show. The world needs to know what happened and to know what he stands for. It's Batgirl or It Was Batgirl, a DC film starring Leslie Grace, Michael Keaton and Brendan Fraser that had already cost Warner Brothers Discovery $113 million. Yeah, it was almost finished. They'd started test screenings when last week they announced it was going in the bin, no theatrical release and not even going on the HBO Max streaming platform. Yeah, and it sent the fandom into a big flurry. And would you say you're in that fandom, Rihanna? Because I have to admit that I, I actually had to Google what DC Films was when we were preparing for this segment. <laughs> Look, I skirt around the outskirts of Marvel and DC fandoms, but I'm definitely one. I love to go down a rabbit hole, and I definitely did when I heard this news. Okay, so we're going to get into this in the second half of the episode. We'll find out... What happened? How could they scrap a film they'd spent so much money on right at the last minute? And what does it say about exactly what you're talking about there, that bigger battle between Marvel and DC? And also what it says about the future of theatrical releases versus streaming. That is our briefing. First, today's headlines. It is Thursday, August 11. The Chinese ambassador to Australia has warned that China would use force to take control of Taiwan. We are ready to use all necessary means. As to what does it mean by all necessary means, you can use your imagination. That's the ambassador Xiao Qian, and he made those menacing comments at the National Press Club yesterday in Canberra. Xiao said there might be a process for the people in Taiwan to have a correct understanding of China about the motherland and that Taiwan could come under Chinese rule again under a one-country, two-systems model like Hong Kong. Yeah, and meanwhile, it appears the Chinese military are winding down its drills around Taiwan. Yeah, well, there's a bit of good news. There were pretty intense comments yesterday from the ambassador. Um, You know, he took a, a lot of questions, which is rare for a Chinese official, and it was in those questions that that issue of Taiwan and, and the way force might be used came up. The speech itself was about resetting relations between Australia and China, broadly outlining what Australia needs to do to improve those relations now that we have a new government and backing off about the issue of Taiwan is one of the sticking points. Big financial news, inflation may have peaked in the US. Today, we received news that our economy had 0% inflation in the month of July. 0%. Yeah, that's President Joe Biden there. So the monthly figure was zero, and the annual figure has now come down from a high of 9.1% to 8.5%. And this has come about because supply chain issues have eased and petrol prices have gone down. But the Federal Reserve is still expected to hike rates again next month. Rihanna, this is, I mean... I guess we get drowned out by lots of financial news, but this could be a major turning point in the world economy. Um, Countries like ours have been fearfully watching the inflation figures skyrocket in the US, wondering um, where they would go and what that means for interest rates here, for mortgage holders, and also for real wages as people's purchasing power goes down in real terms. But uh, this looks like a good sign. Yeah, and hopefully that means good news here. And former US President Donald Trump has invoked his right to silence whilst appearing under oath at the New York Attorney General's office, which is investigating his business practices. 
Yeah, he's pleaded the Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination and despite previously saying that anyone who pleads the Fifth has something to hide. You see, the mob takes the Fifth. If you're innocent, why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? (laughs) So that was Trump in 2018 and now the tables have turned. His excuse for, I guess, that change in position uh, is that this investigation is a political witch hunt. Yeah, and it comes just a day after the FBI raided Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate, and that was in connection with classified documents. And more Australian landmarks have been lit up pink overnight to honour Olivia Newton-John. This time it was the Sydney Opera House, and that comes after Melbourne lit some of their key landmarks on Tuesday night following the news of her passing. Yeah, and meanwhile, we've been flocking to watch her movies. Grease aired on Channel 9 on Tuesday evening and it drew in 442,000 people winning the time slot. And Xanadu is trending on Stan and Spotify is reporting a 145% increase in Olivia Newton-John listeners. Um, I guess that's a lot of people that grew up with her listening. Hopefully it's the younger generation, I guess, taking the chance to get across some of her amazing work. Yeah, and I will uh, put my hand up and say that it is me that is making Xanadu trend on Stan. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't mind going back and watching Grease, actually. It's been so long since I've watched it, and just to remember the amazing work that she did in that role as an Australian playing Sandy. All right, in a moment, we're talking about the scrapping of Batgirl. No, boy, wonder I'm Batgirl. You are no longer alone, caped crusaders. So these are some of the reactions to the news that Batgirl was scrapped last week. One tweeted, a movie featuring a Latina Batgirl, a trans character and actress, Brendan Fraser's comeback, and Michael Keaton has been cancelled. Just wow. Uh, congratulations, David Zavloff, who is the new CEO of uh, Warner Brothers Discovery. You officially killed the DC Extended Universe. Uh, another said, I had zero feelings, positive or negative, about the Batgirl film being cancelled until I found out that Brendan Fraser was in it. How dare you deprive me of Brendan Fraser? Did you write that tweet? I didn't, but I uh, definitely endorse it. (laughs) All right, so let's find out what happened and what this big decision to throw an almost finished film in the bin says about the state of the superhero film world and the future of the theatrical release. Tatiana Siegel wrote a piece for The Rolling Stone on this story and he's speaking to us from New York. Tatiana, what was it about Batgirl that really had fans getting on board from the get-go? Yeah, so she's a character that is popular in the comic books and it would be a novel experience to see her in a film. So I think there was that girl power kind of intrigue with her. So I think there was that hope that it could be sort of DC's answer to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And how close was the film to being completely finished? So the film had wrapped production six months earlier and it had been well into post-production, including visual effects. So it was very, very close to being a completed, finished film. Tatiana, it's been hard to get a real handle on what the real story is, but why was Batgirl shelved and what did happen? By all accounts, the movie... They had started to screen it for test audiences. And Leslie Grace, the actress who plays Batgirl, was really embraced, but the movie itself was not. It 
had very middling reviews from the people who saw it, you know, the test audiences. And some of the feedback was harsh that it looked like a bad episode of television. It didn't have final special effects, but even still, test audiences see movies without final special effects and post-production, you know, is not complete. But there's a difference between a what looks like a theatric film and what looks like a TV film. And this was looking like a television film. Okay, I guess that still begs the question why it wasn't put onto the streaming service HBO H- Max. I mean, we all we all know <laughs> sure. there's a lot of rubbish on the streaming platform, so why not add one more film? What happened there, do you think? Why was the decision made not to even release it on the streaming platform? Yeah, that's a great question, and it was sort of my first question. Like, why not if you have something that you've already spent, you know, close to $90 million on, just put it somewhere? And the reason is, is that even to put it on HBO Max, it was going to cost another at least $10 million to sort of get the special effects up to some sort of place where it could look good enough to be part of the DC universe. And they also had an opportunity to take a tax write-off that, you know, I'm not an accountant, but apparently that's like... It looked very attractive to them. Um, But I think that the biggest reason is that because when Discovery acquired Warner Media, they came in with a mandate that the DC films were going to be kind of like the Marvel films and they were going to be of the highest quality and you're not going to put out sort of a a C minus effort. You're only going to put out the best because they want to protect the brand. So this was a case where they could put something out and know that maybe it was mediocre or they could take the tax write-off. But David Zaslav, the CEO of Warner Media Discovery, said, we're not going to put out a movie unless we believe in it. And that's it. So when you're talking about the tax write-off, does it? you're basically saying that if they screened it, they wouldn't be able to write off the spending on the film as a loss? That is correct. They couldn't put it out on HBO Max and still reap that tax benefit. There was a window where they're able to do this because it's a new company. It couldn't have happened, let's say, a year ago or a year from now. But they're sort of in this unique window where they can get rid of a couple of titles that they deemed not good enough to put out on the service. Tatiana, what have DC Films been up against in the last 18 months? Oh, boy. It has been one drama after another. I think the one that still has everyone talking is what's going to happen with the upcoming Flash standalone movie, because you have a star in Ezra Miller who has been arrested a number of times, including this week, increasingly erratic behavior. The problem is, is that the movie is supposedly fantastic and they have a star that they're not going to be able to put out on a press tour. So that has been sort of bubbling up in the news in the last four or five months, but it has been going on for a while uh, with Ezra, with instances of erratic behavior. So um, they, I think that they, the studio saw that this could be a problem. Yeah, I mean, does the fact that they're sticking with that make you question the Batgirl decision more or do you think, the reasons are pretty clear. And what do you think this decision sort of says about DC's, I guess, ongoing battle to try and get anywhere near Marvel? 
I think that DC required some sort of bold decision making. And I think for the first time we're seeing bold decision making, whether the fans like it or not, um, where somebody is going to say, wait a second, we have an actual plan. We have a 10 year plan. And this movie over here does not fit in that plan. And this movie over here might have problems with the star, but it does fit in that plan. So I think that it's giving people a lot to talk about, but it also makes some kind of sense to me too. Yeah, well, I guess is it a good news story in some ways? Like obviously it's disappointed some fans, but does canning a film make a strong statement about their commitment to quality? I would say yes. At a minimum, it makes a strong statement. It's something that maybe they felt like they had to do. And I think they knew that it was going to generate some degree of fan backlash, but still made that call. And it sounds like that new management has really made that decision going forward about what it expects from their DC films. There have been a lot of great DC films over the last 20 even 30 years, uh, if you go back to the Tim Burton Batman movies, I think that what you're going to see moving forward is sort of a more cohesive strategy in place where the movies themselves, even if they're not interconnected, there will be some sort of compelling reason why they are theatrical. You will have movies that will be large budgeted, you know, in the $200 million and up range. And there will be a reason why you will be compelled to leave your couch and go see it in a movie theater. Yeah. And what does that say about, um, I guess, where the whole industry's going post pandemic? Because there was obviously a, a real switch to streaming during the pandemic, but it seems like the theatrical release still has a very important role to play in the industry. Absolutely. And I think it's somewhat refreshing to see that a studio is taking such a strong stance about the theatrical experience because COVID definitely did shift the paradigm a bit where the last group in charge at Warner Media, they just threw everything out onto the HBO Max platform. And that also had a huge backlash from fans and the filmmaking community. The cinematic experience is still very lucrative and the studios recognize that. And Warner Brothers Discovery is a studio that is definitely going to make their decisions based on whether something is a theatrical movie or not. And Tatiana, it wasn't just Batgirl which found itself on the chopping block either. I mean, what are some of those other films that are also looking at being chopped So there's a movie called Scoob, which is a Scooby-Doo movie, Scoob Holiday Hunt. That's another movie that was pretty much finished and was just entirely shelved. Then you have movies like Wonder Twins, which is another DC movie where it had not gone into production yet, but it was scrapped sort of in the pre-production or deep development stage. So that's one. And then my sourcing says that um, a Supergirl movie is also likely next to be scrapped. And that's an interesting one because Supergirl is introduced in the new Flash movie. And the plan, I was told, was that it would spin off from that movie. She would have her big entrance in the Flash and then she gets her own standalone movie. But I think that that is something also that is now being reevaluated. 
And obviously, Brendan Fraser. We won't get to see Brendan Fraser in Batgirl. <laughs> no, you will not. But you know what? Maybe at some point they will weave these characters into another DC movie. And do you think that DC will ever come close to Marvel? Ooh, well, it could happen. If you asked the average person in the world if they were more familiar with Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, or name any three Marvel characters, most people are more familiar with the DC characters. I think they have more resonance uh, across the world. So it's sort of their game to lose at this point. That was Tatiana Siegel, writer for Rolling Stone. What's your reaction to all of this, Rihanna? Look, I'm always one where I would just like to see the film and make up my own mind on whether it was good or bad. <laughs> yeah, it sort of almost builds intrigue, this story, doesn't it? It's like, I want to see it. Like, like how bad was it? Yeah, and I guess when we're being denied to, you know, seeing the first Afro-Latino superhero as well, you know, I would have loved to have seen that. That strategy did make sense if they're really trying to tank on Marvel and only put out the best of the best and put the focus on the theatrical release. It does sound like there was some logic to it. Listener.